Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. All right, I can't believe uh, Thanksgiving is already upon us, and that happened quick. It seems like it happens quicker every year, but this year, um, Gina and I are, uh, are going to do our second annual family Thanksgiving, so we don't have family in the area. Uh, you are our church family, and so we're going to host Thanksgiving right here. Uh, for any of you who don't have family in the area, you're welcome to come and just be part of this family, but if you do it, we need you to register by 9 o'clock tonight. It's going to close at 9 o'clock tonight, and then there's just no getting in, Okay. And we need you to register, so we, uh, we're going to bring the turkey, uh, us and a number of the staff members are, so we want to make sure that we have plenty of turkey for you. So if you want to be part of that, please register uh, through the Church Center app or online by 9 o'clock today. All right, so speaking of that, uh, Christmas and the holidays, you know, you don't have a whole lot of time uh, to get your shopping done. I, I was thinking about um, Naya, she wanted, uh, one, a couple of years ago, she really wanted one of those cheese curds from Culver's. You ever seen those little guys? So here's the cheese curd. And so um, the little plushy guy, and she says, Dad, it only takes 10 Scoopy tickets to get that thing. And I was like, okay, well, how do you get a Scoopy ticket? And well, you got to buy a Happy Meal thing. Okay, well, how much is a Happy Meal? Well, it's $6.49. So that little guy right there is $64.90 if you want that cheese curd. So you've got uh, 35 days left to get what you want for uh, Christmas or to shop for your loved ones. Um, if you don't, if you're not sure what you want, not sure what to get for Christmas, I found a couple ideas. Um, this first one here is called the Licky Cat Hairbrush. If you're like really close with your cat, you know, you can groom them uh, and make it feel like you're licking it, I guess. I, I don't understand that. Uh, I found another one here that I don't even know why you want hander pants but you can get hander pants if you want them. They're out there. That'd be another gift for you there. And of course, bacon comes in all sorts of sizes, shapes, and flavors. So if you need some Band-Aids, of course, you got to have ba bacon Band-Aids because you just love bacon so much. So uh, we're in this uh, qu uh, questions Jesus asked. Jesus asked questions, and it's been really fun. I've so much enjoyed this series where we've looked at really, really familiar passages um, that uh, have powerful points, but we've been digging in to just a specific question that Jesus asks, usually his apostles, but sometimes those around him. Uh, he asks these questions that, that mean something for that person, but it also means a lot for us. If we'll just kind of camp out on that and think about what that question means for our life. So the huge question, this is a massive question that is so important that you know the answer to, that Jesus asked, he actually asked it three different times to three different people. Uh, at least a variation of it. We're going to take a quick look at all three of those times here. But the huge question was, what do you want? What do you want? That's a really important question. Be, you know, what, what do you want right now? What would your answer be? Do you want a boat? That's not, no, you do not. You want a friend with a boat. I want to remind you that, right? Do you want a miracle? Do you want uh, faith? See, whatever you answer, it is, it's guiding your thoughts, it's guiding your choices, and it's actually guiding your life. Your heart is taking you somewhere, and what is it that you want? Where is it bringing you? Maybe you want to just, I just want to be happy, right? 
Or maybe you want to be loved. We all want to be loved, so you're hungry for that. Or maybe some of you just, you know, I just want to be left alone, right? What's behind that? What do you want? Well, let's look at, uh, if you have your Bible, open it up to Matthew chapter 20. We're going to look at the, uh, the first time, or one of the times, that uh, this question is asked by Jesus. So Matthew 20, verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, so Zebedee's sons are James and John. Uh, the mother, we don't know for sure who that is. Uh, many people think it was Salome, um, came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor. Okay, so I've got a special favor to ask of you. And here's the question. What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine, two of these disciples, may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. Those places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. So when we are coming up with this question, what do you want? The first thing that we have to wrestle with is in the first point in your notes here is, is it the right thing? Is it the right desire? And Jesus says, you know, you're asking me for these things. You want the place of power. You want to be right next to me when I come in glory. But you don't really understand what you're asking. And first of all, this is the wrong pursuit. You want power and you want authority and you want fame. And you know what? I, I mean, there's something in all of us that's pulled to that. But all three of those things just come with a bunch of headaches. I mean, if you have the more power and the more authority you have, you know what you have? The more responsibility, the more you disappoint people, the more you frustrate people because you don't use that power like you want them, like they want you to use it, right? Or how about fame? Who knows how to deal with fame? You know, you watch those uh, Nickelodeon singers. They all blow out like they go crazy. And don't you think it's because they don't know how to handle that fame? I mean, could you imagine if you were just around people all the time saying, yeah, you're always right, whatever you want, you're the best, you know, do whatever you want to do. And you start to hear that over and over again, and they can't handle it. Are we surprised? I remember when I was a, an editor, and this is such a little tiny, tiny pond and such a little tiny picture of this, but people would find out in my little circles that I was an editor and they want to get published. And as soon as they found out I was an editor, it was like, oh, hello. And they treated me completely differently. And I have to tell you what, I lapped it up. I loved it. It made me feel so good. You know, everyone's just trying to find, just drop in like, well, I decide who gets published here. I mean, I couldn't even handle that little bit of fame. Do you really want to be famous? I don't. You know, I think about as we're getting into like primaries and all that stuff, I mean, who, who even would want to be the president? I don't even understand why somebody would want that job. I mean, what a mess. And then, then in verse 27, though, if you go on in our passage, Jesus says, whoever wants to be first, if that's really what you want, must be the slave of all. You want the road to kingdom power? You want the, the road to kingdom influence? You, you want to be great in the kingdom of God? Okay, it's possible. And this is what you have to do. You have to lay down your life for other people. I mean, if you want to have a life that really matters, a life of real power and a life of real influence, a, re, a life of the real kingdom of God, the only way to get there is to serve. Are you ready to do that? And I just want, I want you to think carefully about what is it that I want? What am I chasing after in my life right now? You know, I think just about everybody 
wants to win the lottery. We'd be okay to, to win the lottery. But I don't know about that. You know, I, I read uh, an article. Uh, it was called uh, The Lottery Curse. And it showed that 70% of people who win the lottery within seven years are broke. They've lost it all. And the quintessential example, it's John Whitaker. And, and so he won $320 million in 2002 on the Powerball. And after he won, he started drinking, he started gambling, he got a few DUIs, he got arrested for assault. He started giving his 17-year-old granddaughter $2,000 every month. What does a 17-year-old person do with $2,000 every month? Well, she got into drugs and actually ended up taking her life. Now, this is, this is a guy, he won 300, actually $315 million dollars. And after his daughter has passed away, I, I want you to see what he has to say. Now, forgive the quality. It's an old video. It's back from 2002. But see what he has to say about winning the lottery. Go ahead and bring that up, please. She was the shining star of my life. She was what it was all about for me from the day she was born. It was all about providing and protecting and taking care of her. Uh, you know, my wife had said she wished that she had torn the ticket up. Well, I wish that we had torn the ticket up, too. Jack Whitaker now makes a weekly pilgrimage to his granddaughter's tombstone. It's a fitting monument to a child who was set to inherit a fortune. I pretty much lost everything I held here in my life. You got lots of money. That's not enough. Money is, money, money has never meant anything to me. You have to have money to exist in this world, but money, money doesn't rule the world. Money, money is not what makes people happy. You know, family is what is dear. And now you've lost your granddaughter. You're about to be divorced from your wife. Where does this ever end? Well, I don't know where it'll end, but you know, I just, I, I don't like Jack Whitaker. I don't like the hard heart I've got. Uh, I just don't like what I've become. And that's sad. You know, what does a prophet a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his soul? What is it worth? You know, the, the teacher in Proverbs 30 talks about money. Actually, Jack Whitaker, he died broke in 2020. He was robbed multiple times before that. But here, here's a good way to look at what you want. And, and here's two things that the teacher wants. And, and it's right around that whole idea of winning the lottery. So it's Proverbs 30, verse 7. And he says, two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Here's the first one. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. And then he says, give me neither poverty nor riches. But give me only my daily bread, which of course is exactly what Jesus tells us to pray for in the Lord's Prayer, right? Give us this day our daily bread. Just give us what we need, Lord. That's all we ask for. Otherwise, why? Because if I have too much, I may disown you. I may say, who is the Lord? See, I'll start to put my trust in all those things that I've gained and all those things that I've accomplished. And I start to look at my security and my identity and all that. I forget who God is as those things go. They become a curse to me when I hope that they would be a blessing. Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. I may become desperate, Lord. I just ask that you would just provide for me. I mean, there's wisdom, there's life right in the middle of it. And then you see the first thing that he says, and keep me from falsehood. What I really want, what's really valuable. I mean, that guy, he says, I didn't like the man I had become. I don't like me. And the teacher here says, no, what matters is character. 
integrity, the person I become. See, see, the treasure for you, it's not completely found in what do I want. The treasure is actually also found in who do I want to become? What do I want to be? I, I found in Malachi, I was thinking about the type of pastor I want to be. And so this is Malachi 2, and, and he's talking about the priests at the time, and God isn't pleased with the priests. And he says, I want you to go back to how I started it with Levi, what I had intended. This is what a priest does, and it's Malachi 2.6. He says, if you're going to be a pastor, if you're going to be a peace, uh, priest, this is what it should be. True instruction was in his mouth. Nothing false was found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and I love this, and turned many from sin. I'll tell you what, that's what I want. That's who I want to be. You know, there's a passage in, in Genesis about this guy Enoch, and it says, and he walked with God and then was no more. And I've always thought, if it's true, and I hope, oh Lord, this is what I want to be true, is that that's the thing that you can put on my tombstone, just that he walked with God. I just want to walk with God. I want to walk in peace with God. And I want to speak truth. And I want to lead many people away from sin. But how can I do that if I'm not connected with him and pursuing him and allowing him to change me as I go forward? Micah 6, 8 shows what God wants for you, what he requires of you. We've looked at this verse so many times because it's just so powerful. He has shown you, Micah 6, 8, oh man, what is good? And what does the Lord want? What does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy. And here it is again, and to walk humbly with your God. If I could tell you anything that I want, I just want to walk humbly with my God. I just want to be hand in hand with my God. And the question I have for you is, what do you really want? And here's the thing. God has given you the amazing freedom to chase whatever it is. You completely get to decide on this one. It's 100% up to you what you're going to go after, right? I mean, what amazing freedom and power and life that he's given you. Because he loves freedom. He loves free will. He loves you so much, he will let you go after it. But we have two, two guarantees in Scripture. He says, if you seek me, if you decide it's me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. And then he also tells us that if he is the object of our soul, he will satisfy our soul. It will be the answer to our real longing. And there's that you can go after are all sorts of different things. And if you go, listen, everything else, you may or may not get it. I don't, he doesn't guarantee that. And I'll tell you this, it may not be everything that you hope for. But he put it in your hands. What do you want? What are you hungry for? What are you chasing? And if you're, if you're not sure, well, you know what you can check is look at how you spend your time. Look at how you spend your money. Look at where your thoughts go, what you're thinking about and chasing after in your own head. And the question is, is this the right answer? And I think it's so important that we really think about this answer. What do we want? See, there's another problem that comes for Salome and James and John here. One thing that they didn't understand is that where is Jesus going? Well, he's going to glory and he's going to power, but how does he get there? He says, can you drink my cup? And what is the cup? It's the cross. Suffering. Okay, if you want to get there, so you don't understand what you're asking. What you're asking is to suffer. What you're asking is to die for yourself. What you're asking is to go through difficulty. Are you sure? 
The path to that place is suffering. And here's the problem with character. If you want character, character just doesn't come easy. It's hard. Yet you have to choose the right when you'd rather go wrong. Right? It's to say, I'm going to stay when everything inside of me wants to go. It's to say, I'm going to lay down my life and serve when, you know, I'd rather just watch TV right now. Do you know that a lot of your character, actually, you know where you find a lot of character? In the grind. It's really just in the grind of grinding forward. God refines your character and it shapes who you are. And I think that's one thing that my generation, that we have failed to teach our kids, is that we've tried to protect them from the grind. We try to protect them from difficulty. And so when they come, it's like, wow, this is hard. It's like, yeah, that's how you change. That's how you grow. And then we have uh, these little phones where like everything we want is just like right there with our thumbs. And if we're bored, we don't have to be bored. And if we want to buy something, we could buy something right there. And we've lost our ability to wait and to endure and to continue and go forward. But there are aspects of your character that can be developed in no other way than being uncomfortable for long periods of time. Let me show you what Romans has to say about this. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. That's such a, that's, that's such a powerful se- sentence right there. That when suffering comes, we rejoice. We celebrate that it's difficult. Thank you, Lord, that this is difficult. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. That's another word for the grind. And we hang in there and we persevere. And perseverance produces character and character produces hope. See, when you are living righteously, when you are living in, in God's ways, you know, okay, it's going to work out. Whatever happens, I did what he wanted me to do. And hope does not, listen, it will not disappoint you because God has poured out his love into his heart, by our hearts, by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. So the first question is, is this the right desire? But then we have to ask, is it the right answer for the right desire? Are we looking to the right well? So I want to show you another time that, that Jesus asks a variation of that question, what do you want? It's John 5, verse 1, very famous, familiar passage. And it says, Sometime later, Jesus went to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. And here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, And one who was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned what he had been, that he had been in that condition for a long time, he asked him, here's the question, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And when I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. See, here's the thing, is, is he believed that there's healing properties in these pools, but yet after 38 years, the pool never came through for him. And here's the thing, the pool is never going to help you. Even if they get you in there, the pool is not going to heal you. And see, so we look to these other things. His only hope is that Jesus would come and say, get up and walk. And we have the right desires, but we're looking for the wrong place. I mean, what a heavy burden that you and I, we put on other people when we're looking for them to give us only what God can give us. When we're expecting my spouse is supposed to make me happy. 
that's actually not his or her job. That's actually not their burden. My child is supposed to give me validation for who I am. That actually is not their job. My career is supposed to give me purpose. What, what, what frustration we, we create for ourselves. What a burden we put on these things that they just can't handle. They, they, can, they were never meant to answer that question. I mean, how about this? You know, I want my family to be close. I want my family to be connected. And here at the holidays, those of you like me whose kids have gone, it's so tempting, but don't make your kids feel guilty when they don't visit or don't call. That doesn't work. So here you are, you're wanting them, right? And so this is how you're trying to grab for them. And I, I figured out that the more I let go of those kids, the more they come back. The more I just get underneath them, celebrate them, go for it, yeah, go be with the in-laws, we love them. <laughs> Yay, in-laws. The more we do that, the more they come back. The more we just like, oh, we try to grab onto them, the more like, yeah. Do you want love? We all want love, right? I mean, it's the right desire, but there are so many wrong answers. The wrong guy, the wrong gal, hooking up, food, comfort, addiction, so many ways to try to find the wrong answer to the right desire. And the world says, well, what you have to do is you have to love yourself. And it's like, sort of. Actually, you know what you need to do? Is you need to experience the love that God has for you, to rest in his love, to accept his love, to learn to walk in the love of God. And you know what starts happening? You start loving yourself. And then you have this source and you realize love isn't what you're gonna get, it's what you're going to give and love pours out from you. If you can't find love, I wanna suggest that you're looking in the wrong place. That actually it starts looking here. And then it comes here, and then it flows out here. That's where love comes from. And how tiring it is to look for other people to provide what only God can give. It's the wrong place. It's the wrong answer for the right question. There's a, uh, I love this little story. It happened in India in the 1900s. And it actually has, a, it's a, the, an, a, I don't know, a phenomenon called the cobra effect. All right, so if you ever hear the cobra effect, this is, this is what happened. So in uh, 1900s, Britain was over India and uh, they had too many cobras. And so uh, they decided to pass this little regulation that if you bring in a cobra head and a cobra skin, a dead cobra, then uh, we'll give you money. So do you know what people in India started doing? Breeding cobras. And so they're breeding these cobras and then they bring in all of these cobras. You know, I mean, they're not dumb. And so the, the officials caught on, like, oh, we're getting duped here. So then you know what they did? Is they said, okay, no more money for cobras. And then you know what everybody did with their cobras in captivity? Released them. And in the end, they had more cobras than when they started because it was the wrong answer to the problem. You know, for me, like, one of the things that, that I can easily find the wrong answer for is just refreshment. You know, I just, we all need to be refreshed. And I have found that a bag of chips and the fire stick is not the answer. I don't know about you, but there's not, never once in my entire life has I, have I sat there for 30 minutes just looking, no, 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 no. Okay, and then, you know, you do that for like a half an hour, a half an hour later, and I've never come back saying like, ah, oh, that was so refreshing. I felt so good to find nothing to watch for all that time. Mm, 
Let's do that tomorrow. Now, there's right answers. Like projects are good, tinkering, reading, growing. You know, those things, they're refreshing. You know, David, there are two times in Scripture where it says David refreshed himself in the Lord. Now, both of them were during like really, really difficult times. But, but catch that, he refreshed himself in the Lord. There's two important components here. First of all, your refreshment is your responsibility. And then the second one is it is found in the Lord. And I just want to ask you, do you know how to do that? Do you know how to refresh yourself in the Lord? And Jesus does it time and time again. And you know what it says? And Jesus went away to pray found a place by himself. When is the last time that you just got quiet and you got still and you just waited before God, refreshing your spirit in him? It's to pray and to share your heart. To, you know, and listen, God can handle whatever you want to bring forward to him. And you could bring your frustrations and your questions and you lay those before the Lord and you have a conversation with him and you connect with him in prayer. You've got to go to the right sources for the right desires. Which brings us to our last point here. And it's simply this. Do you want it? What you want, do you want it enough to change? Do you want it enough to change? So we're going to look at the third example where Jesus asks this question. It's with the blind Bartimaeus in Mark 10, verse 46. It says, And they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. Here's the question, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received a sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now it seems so obvious. Like, what do you mean, what do I want, what do you want you to do for me? I'm blind. But it's not obvious. Because if Jesus heals you, I mean, do you really want me to heal you? Because if I heal you, what that means is you don't get to sit on the side of the road yelling at people anymore. It means actually that you have to kind of get up and start taking responsibility for your own life. Are you really ready to do that? I mean, it's the same thing, I think, with that leper. Do you really want to be healed? Because there's a part of us, you know what? Listen, there's a part of us that likes to be the victim. There's a part of us that would just rather complain, right? So you're complaining. Listen, if you're, com if you're complaining about your boss, it is time for you to go talk to your boss. It's just a lot easier to complain. Now, no thanks, I don't want to talk to him. I actually don't even want change. I just like complaining about him. I, I just like to be the victim in the middle of it. Do you really want to change? Do you want that change enough to change? And if healing starts, there's no more yelling, there's no more sitting, and there's actually going to start with responsibility. And you have to move forward. And it actually takes some effort on our part to step into the things that God has for us. It's like this, like, I, I wanna play the guitar like Stevie Ray Vaughan, right? Okay, so, but, you know, I looked, and, and you know what, he used to practice every day for five hours. So maybe there's somebody else I can play like, right? <laughs> or, you know, I want muscles like Arnold Schwarzenegger, or for, like Craig Rochelle, he's a pastor with huge muscles, right? 
So I, I looked it up, and Arnold Schwarzenegger, in his prime, he, he used to be in the gym. He, he would work out four to six hours a day, six days a week. And I'm like, well, what can you get for like four times a month? <laughs> By the way, that's, this is the answer right there. <laughs> Once a week, that's, this is what you'll get. Let's assume that you're hungry for the right things right now. I mean, let's assume you want righteousness, you want character, you want God's presence, you want to walk with him, you want, you want wisdom. And let's assume that you're going to the right well. You know that it comes from the Spirit of God. But here's the question, how much do you want it? And do you want it enough to change? Do you want it enough to grow? Do you want it enough to do it differently, to become a better man or a better woman, to swim and move in his spirit, to seek him and find him? Do you want it enough to get into his word every day because this is where life and change and transformation comes? Do you want it enough to pray every day, to talk with him, to confess your sins and to walk out of those sins before him? Do you want it enough to seek him and find him if you will seek him with all your heart? Do you want it that bad? I mean, how bad do you really want it? Men, do you want to be the spiritual leader in your home? I mean, do you really want to be the spiritual leader? Do you want to be a blessing to your children and show them what it is to live like God wants you to live? Did you want to strengthen your wife and encourage her and be the one that she looks to for, for support in the middle of what she's doing? Well, do you want it enough to join a men's group? Do you want it enough to let other people speak into your life? Do you want it enough to personally be in the word, to pray, to grow, to take responsibility for who you are in Jesus? Do you want it enough to risk, to say, okay, I am going to lead and I'm going to step in, I'm gonna talk with my family and I'm gonna tell the kids what they need to hear, I'm gonna stand up when I'd rather just kind of go back into the shed and relax? How bad do you want it? You know, I really want a loved one right now. I, I want her to be saved. And so I've got this little uh, bookmark thing, you know, these little prayer cards that we, we handed out a while ago. And, and I've, I'm going on my fourth time now. I just, I, I'm not gonna stop. In fact, I have more of these. I put a whole bunch of them out by the fireplace there. You can take as many as you want, 21 days, just to pray for someone that you want to come to Jesus. And so take as many as you want. The only thing that I ask is that for each one you take that you actually go through it for that person. And so I'm on day, I don't know, 66 or something like that of every single day praying for this person. And I am not going to stop until this person gets saved because I want it so bad. And Jesus, he talks about this persistent widow and she's like bugging this judge. And she comes and she asks for something and he says, no, and she comes back the next day and she, she asks again and she asks again and she asks again. And Jesus says, okay, listen, it, the judge finally is like, fine, here, lady, leave me alone. And he says, now, if a person who is evil will do that because you're persistent, won't much more your father who wants the same thing you're praying for, won't he respond? How bad do you want it? Now, listen, his salvation is free. And his grace, you cannot earn it. You don't have to try to get it. His love, it is just given to you. You couldn't get it if you try on your own. He just gives it to you. But change, change takes work. The word we call sanctification, that's a process. Change is costly. It's difficult. And it takes time and diligence. 
And yes, God comes and he meets us with freedom and power and he opens the door for us, but it takes hard work to walk in that freedom. It takes determination to continue on in it. I mean, do you really want to turn from your sin? It's going to take work. Do I, do I really want to bring true instruction as a pastor? Do I really want to walk hand in hand with God? Well, how bad do I want it? What am I willing to sacrifice and do and step in to see that happen? And if I want that, I better be connecting with him and I better be growing in him and I better be listening and hearing his heart and I better be honest and humble with my sin and the things that are getting in the way. And I better be turning from my own stuff if I want to help other people turn from theirs. And so I just, I just want to end right now. I just want to ask you, what do you want? Is it the right desire? Are you going to the right source? And how bad do you want it? I mean, are you willing to change to get it? So I want right now, I just want you to answer that question. Tell God right now, if you would, just tell him. Tell him what you want. Just right now, speak to him. Tell God what you want. I want to challenge you. Contend for it. It's this amazing account in the book of Daniel where the angel comes to Daniel and he said, from the moment you were praying, God responded. But I, there was spiritual warfare that I had to do for 21 days before I got here. And so you and I, we need to be persistent and consistent. And God hears your prayers right away, but we endure and we persist and we wait. And I know some of you right now, you've been waiting a long, long time for something that has to be God's will. And I just want to pray for you right now. If that's you, if you're just waiting, Lord, you know what I want and you know it's within his will. I just, just put your hands in front of you right now. I just want to pray for you. So Holy Spirit, right, I just ask that you see all these wants, Lord. These things that we've been waiting for, that our hearts are breaking over, God. And we cry out to heaven, Lord, and we ask for your power, and we ask for your intervention. We ask that heaven would see this thing that we hold in our hands, Lord. And we ask that you would move, and you would bring breakthrough, and you would bring life. But God, until then, we will contend. Until then, we will persist. Until then, we will endure. Until then, we will pray. Until then, we will reach out. Lord, I just, I just bless that your church right now with breakthrough in Jesus' name. And Lord, give us endurance and hope until it comes. C.S. Lewis said that ultimately, ultimately you will get what you want. You either get his will or your own will. You'll either get his best for you or the counterfeit that you want. Such an important question that divides and guides the rest of our lives. What do you want? And Lord Jesus, what we want is you. Lord, deep in our hearts, we know that you are the answer. We know that you are the hope, that you are the way, the truth, the life. You are the way to the Father. So Lord, I just pray that you would take these little desires for more of you and that you just blow on them and you'd fan the flames, Lord. God, we want more of you. We want all that you have. God, we want our lives to be in you. Lord, we want your will, not ours, to be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. 
Let us know what we can do to help you grow in Him. God bless you.